0: Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, War! Hey everybody, and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast where we talk about every song in alphabetical order. I'm JB Clark. Not every song. Every Every Bruce Springsteen song. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, one at a time. I'm JB Clark. I'm joined, as always, by Rob Carmack. Rob, how are you doing?
1: Good God, JB! <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you doing, sir? I am great. Good. Uh, I'm great. I'm feeling the urge to, to watch the movie Rush Hour. Is anybody yeah. else feeling that? Yeah. i are
0: the urge—I mean—the urge to watch Rush Hour.
1: What does it say about my generation that the first time I heard this song ever, it was when seeing the film Rush Hour with starring the great Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan.
0: I mean, it might have been the first time I heard it too. Uh, it may have something to do with the fact that, like, we didn't grow up in—well, I guess you—you uh, you didn't grow up in a war. Uh, so that might be why, specifically, not like a Vietnam War.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the JB, JB, as you mentioned when we first started, the song we're talking about today is the song War. This was <gasps> released. You have to do that. Uh, this was released in 1986 by Bruce Springsteen on the live box set, the 75 to 85 Bruce Springsteen and the Street Band live box set. And this is obviously a cover song, and it was... Uh, originally, it was written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong for the Motown label, and we were talking. JB and I were talking off off mic a little bit about how one of the things about Motown was they had they had songwriters and then they had performers. And a lot of times, what would happen is you would have these songwriters, not unlike Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong, who would write a song and for for the label owned by Barry Gordy, and Barry Gordy would then start distributing songs to whoever he felt like would. It would be best served by, and a lot of times, vary. Like you, you could get one song that would get picked up by three or four different artists. Pretty much just like throwing paint at a wall, just being like, one of these has to become a single. So, uh, so it was, re- it was written for the Motown label, and the original vocalists on the first recording for Motown were the Temptations. That's so the very first release of this ever was by the Temptations, but it was re-recorded by Edwin Starr. In 1970, and that's who made it a a hit single. So the version most people are probably familiar with, the version in in the movie Rush Hour... Is the Edwin Starr version? That's probably the version most people have heard.
0: And that one's a lot more rock and roll than the Temptations version. Yeah,
1: it's 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 very big. It's got the horns. It's got the. Huah! I mean, he's really he's really pushing it. And uh, this became one of the most well-known protest songs ever. Like we talked about, "Turn Turn Turn" as a as an anti-war protest song. This is yeah. this is like the granddaddy of all anti-war protest songs of that era. Let's see. So this recording. Was that on the Springsteen box set? This recording was performed on September the 30th, 1985, at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, and it, which was on the Born in the USA tour. And this recording was the first single released from the live box set and reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that when Bruce put out this box set, that they, reco- that they released this song as, as a single, which is interesting because, again, it's a cover, like that, but, um, you know, but it did pretty well it got up to number eight and uh so he did it during that tour and then he started playing it again in 2003 to protest the iraq war which is not at all a surprise because bruce had some very strong feelings about the iraq war it's interesting though because 2003 was the the rising tour and the rising tour was largely about like overcoming adversity and so it's interesting that he took the time during that tour to also be like yeah but, when we overcome adversity by starting new wars, that doesn 't make it better, you know, so, yeah, it was an interesting statement to have this included in the set list on the rising tour. Bruce taped the words of the song to his arm i 'm sorry in in the on the board of the u s a tour he taped he would tape the words of the song to his arm and he led into the song with a spoken warning to not blindly trust the government and Ronald Reagan was the president at the time had just been reelected. And then they played the song after he, like, did, like, the whole spiel. And then, again, he he brought it back out during 2003, during the Rising Tour. And the most recent performance of the song by Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band was March the 26th, 2003, in Brisbane, Australia. So even, even when it was on a different tour, Bruce is still closing out songs in Brisbane, Australia. That's what he does, man. In 2003. So Bruce played this song a handful of times on the Rising Tour in the immediate aftermath of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. And that's why he did it there. And uh, those are the basic facts here. I don't. Did, did I miss anything, basic fact-wise, JB? Nope, that covers it. I actually have nothing else in my notes about this. So, what do you? What do you? What do you want to talk about here? Well, you want to hop into the music? Yeah, let's do it. Um.
0: So Bruce's version of the song, we'll talk about that one specifically. Yeah. Uh, is is pretty rockin'. Yes, it is. Uh, so he's, he's he talks a while, you know, for for what, two minutes? Did you already say that?
1: Uh, I just said he did a spiel. Like He, had, he like starts when off he, talking about... Not, yeah. Don't, don't just blindly trust the government.
0: Yes. And so, uh, and, and uh, there's some, like, eerie electric guitar being picked up by Nils, and he says, uh, because in 1985, blind faith in your leaders or anything will get you killed. And then he goes, what I'm talking about here is, and then he goes, he, just the bam, he says war, the whole band comes in. Uh, and it's, very cool.
1: <laughs> it is
0: very it's cool. Very cool. Uh in the music video the whole sort of that speech in the beginning is is overlaid with videos of like war and bodies and you know stuff and then it comes around to, to Bruce at that like 2 minute mark for the intro. So good. I think
1: that was like the music video that they released, right? Like, yeah,
0: yeah, it was. Yeah. And it's like he's just talking, and then all of a sudden he goes into that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that's why he's great because I gotta, <laughs> I gotta like warm up for a while, maybe like smoke a cigarette to get that. You know what I mean? Like, and he's just like, yeah, because we're talking about here is, Whoa, you're here, you know, like he's just in it. He just fully embodies it. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the band is just wide open, there's a big snare. Uh, Bruce is getting a little soulful on the mic. Uh, the Big man's doing a bunch of the hoos. And Nels closes out with a barn burner guitar solo. And Gary's doing some some cool sort of the R&B uh, send up on the bass. Like that's the part that most resembles um, sort of Motown is, is Gary's. Not necessarily the original version, but Gary's um, bass playing kind of is a send up to some of that Motown sound. Yeah, I think so too.
1: Well, and, and I mean, this is, this is kind of the e Street band just in the pocket, right? Like th- this is, this is a, a, like the Eastry band live doing a big, like raucous cover of, of a Motown song. Like this is, this, yeah. is they are, this is what they do. This is, um, quarter to three. This is, you know, Detroit medley. This, this, this is where Bruce, this is where Bruce finds his way home on the stage. Yeah. You know, it's it, awesome. When, when in doubt, bring out some Motown and let Bruce Springsteen and the Eastry band, do what they do. And it will always, it will always please the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what he does. And it's, it's helpful also that he, he packs it in with this statement about the Reagan administration and trusting the government. And, and it's, you know, that he frames it in such a way, like you have, so you have kind of the best of both worlds in this one song, right? Because you have the side of Bruce Springsteen that's very politically awake and conscientious and, you know, has, has something real to say, but you also have like the fun, playful, you know Motown loving Bruce and like this is the one place where those two those two different versions of Bruce can kind of meet up on stage with the East Street band behind him and like really kind of like like the whole place on fire
0: yeah I love it mm-hmm. yeah love, and watching that video it's just that it's got that live performance in the, the music video and it is so much fun to watch the band is like locked in and Nils is so cool uh he's so cool
1: <laughs> and th- that was that was nils lofgren's first tour with the Eastery band because yeah, that was, was um very famously uh Stephen van Zant had had recently quit the band in towards the end of the recording of born in the USA and um and Bruce called nils because up, up until that point Nils had mostly been working with Neil young and and so nils already I mean he was already a pretty like well-known widely respected guy on his own so to be yeah. brought into the Eastery band really like it, it it just like it, it brought a whole new dimension and nils also has has spoken elsewhere about like just being like oh man i was just glad to be a part of it it was just it, it was a great place to be on like on tour with e street band so uh so i think nils probably injects the show with with some fresh energy on his own and but then also to kind of give him give him space to you know do his thing on the guitar solo here was pretty great it's a good recording It's it's cool to watch on the video and um, man, I, I'm sure, sh- I'm sure if, if I had, if I had not been four years old, I'm sure I would have really enjoyed catching one of these shows and, and just really enjoying, you know, what east Street, like, I, I, I would imagine if this was somebody's first exposure to Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band, as it was for a lot of people on that tour. I would imagine, like, you, you got a lot, li- lot of lifelong fans that found their way to Bruce on that tour. And this, and this recording kind of shows you, like, yeah, they, they still had it. Like, they were still, yeah you know, they were, the, cause, cause it's interesting cause you get the, like in 1975 you get the um Hammersmith Odeon recording or not I mean that comes out later but that was recorded in 1975 so that's what that's what the East Street band sounded like in 1975 1985 this is what the East Street band sounds like live and I gotta say I think they've improved like a fine wine you know what I mean like I, oh, it, yeah I, I think I think Bruce Springsteen and the East Street band always gets better you know i I don't I don't think they've ever depreciated in value and I think this is no. one of the pieces of evidence that shows you that.
0: Yeah, they're just yeah, they're so tight live, and this this was seemed like it was a really fun era.
1: Yeah, well, to see them live. Well, and I mean, imagine I and I, I think about this a lot because like 1985, this this album and this tour, Born in the USA. This is what really launched Bruce Springsteen into megastardom. This is this is when he went from being like a famous musician to being an, like a global rock star. And yeah. so imagine being one of the many 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 thousands of people who caught the show and was like I am a Bruce Springsteen fan for life. And then 3 years later or 2 years later he puts out Tunnel of Love, which is very different. And then they go on a tour which is a very different tour and then he breaks up the E Street Band. And, like, imagine being one of those fans that, like, you probably feel like, I mean, even even though a lot of people found him on that tour, I would imagine if you found him on the E Street Band, t- on, on that Born in the USA tour, and you were paying attention to what he did, like, the, his next three or four steps, I would imagine there was a part of, there were, there were probably certain people who were like, oh, I, I, caught, I found him just at the very end, you know, not every, not right. knowing that, that this was all sort of a part of a much much larger narrative arc, you know, that, that Bruce himself didn't even know about at the time. So, you know. Because that's what I wondered when I saw him on the Magic Tour. I wondered, like, oh, did I did I catch this at the end? Did I did I find did I find Bruce Springsteen just in time to to watch him say goodbye? And thankfully, I didn't. Thankfully, he's he's had a very fruitful, you know, third act. But um, but I do wonder if in 1985 people wondered about that as well.
0: Right. Yeah. You know. Anyway, and then it, say and what? I said, worry no more. Like if that was your worry. You, yeah. You for could. sure. Still got it.
1: Well, and I I hope that the people who did find him on that tour have been satisfied you know, in over the last couple of decades, as, as Bruce has just sort of shown, like, look, I, I'm going to do a lot of different things. It's like, sometimes I'm going to, we're going to do the big rock show and everybody's going to love it. And there are going to be times where I go to Broadway for a year, you know, or, yeah. you know, I'm going to do Devils and Dust. I'm going to do Ghost of Tom Joad. I'm going to do the Secret sessions. Like just, you know, don't, don't just expect him to just do this over and over and over again. Like he's, he's great at this. He's the best in the world at this, but he also like the, the thing that makes him great is also the thing that keeps him from doing the same thing over and over again absolutely you know, that's that's what separates him from being like Jackson Brown or um, any one of these legacy acts that just sort of continues to do the same thing over and over again is that he he remains artistically engaged and curious and so um, anyway I'm, I'm not t- totally sure how we got off oh because we were talking about the live performances so, yeah 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 absolutely that's what we're talking about how many nils lofgren guitar solos did you give?
0: I didn't rate it in my notes because I just want to keep thinking about it. Mm uh it's a killer cover man it's a really good cover yeah it's live too uh i think i have to give a four because it's live and there's just so much energy in that video you know their music they put out
1: man people are gonna think we're cheating because i'm i'm a four also what people are gonna think we're planning all this but yeah i I mean i got i got no complaints about it and uh it's it's a strong cover i like it it's a four yeah yeah man it's very good
0: fantastic
1: yeah are we done uh yeah, that's it. That's right. war. Man. All right. Well, the cover song is always like we get to the end I'm like, "Oh, right." Cuz we don't, I mean, we don't have time talk the lyrics. Like everybody knows the lyrics. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Then you huh, s- say it again. Then you say it again and you do that for a while. Yeah. And then um then that's the end of the song.
0: <laughs> that's it. Song's over.
1: Um I I mean there's there's some other stuff in there. It's the, you know, but the friggin' guitar solo yeah. <laughs> it's so good it's very good all right oh, well man. thanks everybody for listening and uh hope everybody has a good week we'll be back in your feed later with the song we are alive so everybody you know enjoy yourselves and we'll see you then